<laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Analytical Fanboys. I am your host, the Mitchiller King of the Content Ring, the Accuminator, and I am joined, as always, by the transcredible Boingo Rider. Watching this movie made me realize I'm I'm our group's Pirate Steve. Oh no! I don't know, Chris. I like pirates. I mean, oh. <laughs> oh Jesus! That's the sickest burn of the year from the toy man <laughs> of modular media, Snowcone eighty three, who is here. Hello. I am here. Yeah. Uh, holy crap, you guys! This is going to be an interesting episode because uh, very interesting episode of AEW this week. I honestly don't know what my vibe is going to be yet because uh, it's been a crazy crazy week um and our main topic is a very interesting film from the early 2000s that i'd never seen before um but before we can get into that i need to remind all of you that this podcast is brought to you by modular media the online creator co-op run by the three of us that is in service of advancing online creativity and creating a better community for doing such things. Um, if you want to keep up with us, the best way to do that is by hitting that subscribe button and enabling notifications so you get every episode of Analytical Fanboys and every other bit of content we put out as we put it out. But if you want to help us continue to grow, you can also do that by hitting like and leaving a comment, helping us out in that YouTube algorithm. You can also follow us on social media. We have a Twitter at the Modular Media and a subreddit r slash modular media and if you enjoy this show so much that you want to listen to it when you're on the go but you don't have the money for youtube premium go ahead and go down to that video description and click the link to our google drive folder that has mp3s of every podcast we've ever done in it i highly encourage you to do that it's a great alternative to using the youtube app especially because we just this week decided to start putting some money into that because we were running up on the storage space limit but that's not all that's going on with all of us we also have the modular summit which is fast approaching as of this recording three weeks away and i won't lie i'm starting to feel the stress a little because uh these guys all they got to do is just drive up and be there i it's at my fucking house i have to make sure everything's in proper working order and make sure all the shit I need for my lecture gets here on time, and so on, and so it goes. Uh, but it's going to be a great time. Uh, I, I guarantee you guys are going to enjoy at least one piece of content that comes out of this, because we are planning on doing so much. There's going to be nightly streams. We announced last week that we're going to be doing a series of university-style lectures on topics that interest each of us. And we've got a ton of other little side projects planned throughout the week um give so, a hint at one of the one of the things that i came up with and that i think we're doing oh yeah i didn't i didn't think about announcing or teasing anything tonight but if you want to do that go right ahead boingo well i mean what better thing to do than a quiz show oh and a short quiz show it's not yeah, super, yeah, it's yeah, not going to yeah, be yeah. a quiz mania it's going to be it's going to be short. It's not going to no, be no. long. No, no. It'll be three if questions, it... and if you get them wrong, <laughs> shot dead in the chest. Done. Yeah, Back that's it. People, yeah. No matter what. This is our new initiation ritual. Um, actually, we're going to be doing it to snow cones. So uh, you gotta I hope see. he's doing his research. So you put one bullet. my own gun, so you better shoot faster. 
but no, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Just so much to do and so little time. But one of the things we got to do right now is this podcast. So let's go ahead and get on to our main topic, which is Dodgeball, a true underdog story, a Vince Vaughn film from 2004 that I was only kind of barely aware of before we hit it on the list. Uh, Chris, this is this is something you put on there. So explain yourself, sir. It is a comedy film that I think a lot of people, my and Cody's age group, watch growing up that we probably shouldn't have. Uh, yeah. That just really defines... Like, this and Ricky Bobby, I think, really defined comedy references for our age group. Yeah. The fuck is Ricky Bobby? The oh. Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, I know that. I know that title. I don't think I've seen it. And then Ballad of Ricky Bobby may be more prominent in our community because it's a fucking redneck ass community and it's fucking NASCAR. But I mean, uh, the most no. redneck thing I know is uh, sorry, we're already diving into the conversation. Um, the most red thing I know is the blue collar comedy group. You know, so called Steve Austin too. But that's true. Uh, no, R- Ricky Bobby's Will Ferrell movie, he plays a NASCAR driver, but he's stupid. Mm. Oh, yeah, um, no. No, man, I mean, fuck, we, were, we were just, like, just watching this movie. I was just constantly reminded. I was like, man, there is still shit I say with, like, my friends playing video games regular today that, like, reference. And I'm like, fuck, that came from this. You know, like, yeah. so Because Ben Stiller just, like, is constantly dropping, like, shit that sounds like listening to an old album that I haven't heard in years. Um, and i don't know like it's still funny i was super like you know i'm sure uh, i think maybe last week me and uh bongo might have mentioned that like uh we had an inside joke with one of our uh high school teachers um uh just uh referencing pirate steve alan uh tudyk whatever um because he's in everything and he's always perfect but um from that moment on every time we would see anything he'd be like is that pirate steve so like that's where this comes from, plays pirates. I mean, this this movie, I'd say my general impression of it is like I did not understand how popular and how well known this movie is until I saw it. Because I went into work the next day and my boss was talking about like, oh, they're airing the World Cornhole Championships on ESPN today. And I was like, What is it on the Ocho? And he's like, Yeah, it is. No, yeah, like- the Ocho is real shit. Yeah, dude, they did it because of this movie. Oh. Like, there's so many, like, uh, let's see if that pans out, Cotton. That's a classic meme that people use all the time. Uh, less, like, I've been quoting it repeatedly since we decided to, that the the list went, like, hey, you're fucking talking about this bullshit. Um, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That yeah. is just quintessential comedy for me. That that was great, honestly. Like I fucking love Rip Torn. He's a legitimate crazy man, but he's he's really good in this movie. Even though he's playing like the most racist, homophobic character I've seen in a while. And see, that's that's the other thing. Um, because I that was one of the things I wrote down in my notes. That's a bit too obvious. Um, but I still wanted to mention it. Is like. Anything we look at that's going to be from, like, not not necessarily the, the late 80s, but, like, early 90s to, like, early 2000s, it's going to feel a little different because of how fast everything that is acceptable and okay to say has changed. Yeah, oh, yeah. half the jokes thing. in this movie would not play now. No. It's, it's not too bad, but it's shit that, like, 
I grew up saying and knowing and hearing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like like he- hearing him uh call uh I forget what the actor's name was, but when he called him queer bait, I was like, Man, I haven't heard a motherfucker call somebody queer bait in like eighteen 18- Justin Long's character. Yeah, Justin Long. I mean, this is just that's all just stuff that like was super prevalent around then and because of that, like for the most part it's been beaten out of us now. Um, but it's still it's something that a reason. lot of people can fall back on. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll admit it. I'm guilty of saying, "Oh, that's gay." Every once in a while, just without thinking about it. And every and whenever it happens, I'm immediately like, "Oh, god damn it! Why did I do that?" And the and, answer is, I grew up in the early 2000s. And like, I'd say that there's a lot more jokes that hold up than don't. Yeah. No, 100. percent. Yeah, um, just because like Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller are classic mm-hmm. comedy. Anyway, I mean, and they and the rest of the cast is solid too. Like, let's not mm-hmm. sh- shit on them. Like, everybody is fucking pulling a hundred and ten percent to fucking give this movie what it needs. Yeah, and it's it's a solid story too, uh, start to finish. Oh like, no, this is a very good script. I'll say that. Like, there's yeah, some like, great setup and payoff in it. Um, and I and like here's the thing. There's a lot of like homoerotic jokes, but it never feels like it's making fun of gay people. It's making fun of straight people who don't realize how homoerotic their do- things they're doing are. I mean, perfect example of that and the thing I I just said of setup and payoff. Right at the start of the movie, there's a scene where Vince Vaughn's character is talking to one of the guys, and he's like, well, don't worry, there's a perfect someone out there for everybody. And for for some people, there's two perfect someones. Yeah. I call that hitting the jackpot. That sets up the bet and the fact that the main girl is bisexual in and the end. And poly as well. Yeah. Also, uh, we got the, uh, was it the TNA girls or whatever? Um, the shit that we had from the Halloween showdown, like literally. That's like, the <laughs> thing I was gonna say. This fucking this movie reminded me so much of '90s WCW. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Like, it's meant to be that. Like, this is weird, bombastic sports. Of course, it's gonna be like. And they even made references to other weird sports, like the fact that one of the teams dress in sumo gear. One of the teams is or one of the teams is lumberjacks, and what's the quintessential weird sport that everybody knows? It's it's the wood games. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the actual name of it. It's like they have saws, and they have to. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no. you've seen it. Yes. Lumberjack competitions. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, these days that's kind of been replaced by the fact that there's fireman competitions, but that shit's still out there. I don't know, man. Like I've been seeing a lot of videos of like the actual fucking. Oh, really. Because like the because they'll cut the ropes, they have to do it with like one swing or like the least amount of swings, and then they'll like they got to use like their own axes. I think it's pretty interesting to watch them like fucking rip through. One that's always fascinating on that is they have like a giant log that's standing up, and they have to cut in like two sections and put in like a ladder thing and stand on the top and cut off the top of the log. Um, Can we also like, just acknowledge what a fa- sorry. And then they go. Can we acknowledge what a fantastic parody um, the whole shit that uh, Ben Stiller has going on? What a fantastic parody of, like, gym bro and vapid workout culture is. Because, like, you and I, Chris, are super familiar with that because we're wrestling fans. And some of the wrestlers we like have workout channels. 
And like, I could not help but wa watch this and at times just think of some of those videos and be like, yeah, yeah, this is all kind of like a, a shameless trying to get money within the the vague veil of trying to help people get more healthy. Yeah. And it's also like his cool character is a takedown of machismo because like uh, when the main female character walks into his office, he starts pumping his goddamn codpiece. Yeah. Which they set that up so well because there's a scene earlier when he's just walking through the gym and I noticed like, wow, that's a hell of a big cod piece there. And then they make it better in that scene by showing him air pumping it. And I was like, oh, I did not realize that's what he was doing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's all like this was also kind of like around the time where like some of these gyms started like uh, happening like that, like uh, Anytime Fitness, Planet Fitness. Um some of these like mega gyms that in like other cities will have like like three stories and like everything you could think of um in my town like the we literally have a planet fitness which is like brand new we have bailey's gym which was the and then we have usa fitness which is like pretty much like average joe's it's like old grimy mm -hmm. everything looks like it's been dropped half a million times and what's crazy is what happens at the end of this movie is kind of what's happened to gyms today thanks to the political shift on like body acceptance stuff happening is like every gym that was a globo gym is now pretending it's an average joe's yeah which is probably for the better honestly like i don't know we were we were talking about that literally yeah. not super i mean the whole the whole um Again, we were talking about this before recording, but the whole atmosphere that gyms of any kind engender is why I work out at home. It's not it's not like, oh, I, I'm so good. I don't need a gym or a personal trainer. It's just no, I'd rather not deal with any of that politicking bullshit of, oh, you've got to be perfect or you're fine just the way you are. But you've got you could lose a few extra pounds if you wanted to. Like, just let me do my shit. OK, yeah. In my experience, like because whenever I started doing some of that stuff. And you're always afraid of, like, getting fucking looked at or whatever. And then I realized, like, at least in, like, the gyms that I've tried out, like, nobody really fucking cares. Nobody gives a fuck. Like, the second somebody starts to care, it's immediate. You realize, it's like, oh, wait, that's not a regular human being. That's some sort of fucking imposter. Crazy. Um, that person's us. Yeah, most people fucking yeah, there's, trying to do their shit. Like, there's if you're no, paying attention uh, to someone else, you're not actually, like, at the gym shit yourself. Yeah, there's no Ben Stiller up on a Jumbotron in the middle of the gym telling you to do another set and stay away from that hot dog while he himself in his fucking office is masturbating with a slice of pizza. Yeah, it's just genuinely it's hilarious to kind of see, especially with, like, the after credit scene. <laughs> um, how do we feel about just, I don't know, like, the aesthetics of the gym apart from like, uh, or not the gyms, but the team. Because, like, I really like how they do a lot of the, like, costume design for them. But I did always think that the uh, Purple Cobras, their outfits were neat because they're meant to be, like, they're almost like, uh, oh, fuck, what's that? What, what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Demolition Man? Is it Demolition? Yes, Demolition. Yeah, the split. Yeah, it's at the movie. Um, I mean, Laser, Blazer, and Taser are going to be our names when we drop a rap album one day. No, it's Blaze. <laughs> Laser. Blazer. You know my personal assistant, Michelle. Uh, oh, man. I, I lost it whenever uh, he... It, it's the scene where, like, he approaches the uh, lady's house and then, like, Vince Vaughn pretty much, like, after he gets his ass kicked by the lady. 
And then, like, Michelle rolls up on the fucking uh, Vespa. I did not call that. That was so good. And then they go in her house, and she's just got unicorn shit everywhere. Oh, and it's which not, is, it's which not is mentioned ever again. Like, <laughs> but, like, it's foreshadowing for the bisexual reveal. How? Rainbows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, also, it's tenuous. I'd say it's tenuous, but yeah. And also, unicorn, like unicorn? <laughs> unicorn is a term for a third person in a bisexual relationship mm. in some cases. Not the proper term. A unicorn is like people who are looking for that and like it's a it's a more negative oh. like uh yeah like see i'm only vaguely familiar with it yeah no essentially um from what i can remember it's like what a, a unicorn is considered is when like you have like a say like a dude who's trying to like liven up their relationship and experiment but what they really are is just like they're look approved cheating and so they're looking for someone who's just finding themselves and that's the unicorn they're just beginning to find themselves and who they are and they're taking advantage that real shit. okay yeah. strike strike what i just said that yeah like it out of ignorance it's fine nah, it's there's all kinds of weird shit in that you know but also like on that on that bisexual note it is kind of a uh a, a very dude bro joke of like oh she's bi oh she's a lesbian oh wait no she's bi and she's kissing a dude but like they at least yeah. play it a, li- a little bit better because Vince Vaughn's like, oh, okay, I guess you were right. She is a lesbian. And he was, like, perfectly – he wasn't sad about it. He was just, like, accepting. It was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't – I mean, it was, it, it's, it's a, a five-second scene, but I'm yeah. reading way too much into it. Well, I no, just think. But then you saying, get that, like, like – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, any, any of the times where they make mention of that is going to seem distasteful now because it kind of sort of is. Um, especially like, I've never been a fan of like throwing dyke around, even when I was like, like it, I, it was always like, whether it be young ignorance, it was told to me as an insult. It was like, this is an insult. That's what you say to insult. Um, I mean, maybe I'm just super sheltered, but I did not hear that term until I was like 19. Oh, no. I've heard it before. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, especially like, uh, my mom is a, she was a softball player, muscle. So, like, I guess that's, like, she was, because she hated Oh, wow. Hot take. little insider information for y'all, anyone watching. I'm inside baseball. Baseball. Yeah, no, yeah, Patrick has, like, a running joke involving your mom, so. You guys are friends with Patrick Starr? Pretty much. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, how do we feel about the celebrity cameos in this? Are they gratuitous or fun? They're fun. They're yeah. fine and they're fun. I especially love the Lance Armstrong one. <laughs> oh, that's so that's like that hits so different now than it probably did when it came out. Yeah. And I loved it for that. I mean, it's a joke that like worked one way perfectly when it came out because it's like, oh yeah, no. I, I have my testicles removed and like all this kind of like inspirational stuff, but I can see I can see I have a good reason why. And then now it just seems like totally hypocritical and it's great. Some things age like fine wine in the wrong way. <laughs> and uh, then my favorite one is the Hasselhoff one because you don't see it coming. They they set it up like, oh, these guys are just really big David Hasselhoff fans, and then they lose, and he's the coach and he's chewing them out. It's so good. 
there's so, so many little bits like that. Like, William Shatner is just, like, the chancellor of dodgeball. It's just a weird thing, and I just think it's funny. Yeah, this yeah. is from that wonderful period in film where William Shatner would just show up to do bit parts that are basically just him being William Shatner. The Chuck Norris uh, scene maybe one of the most memeable or one of the most memed things from this movie. Yeah, because this was, like, right when that meme was starting to take off, wasn't it? No, I mean, like, him holding his thumbs up. Like, every time you see that, it's from thing from this no yeah, but i mean I like him that. being a meme was just sort of starting to get big when this movie happened i think the kind starting of... of it because i think it started really hitting a peak in like 2006 2007 hmm. um it was still cool i uh what do we think of the uh commentary looking great they are literally a wrestling commentary team from like wwe in the mid 2000s and i love it because it's just one of them is a complete idiot and one of them is trying to actually do his job. But it's just like the because it's it's uh Jason what's his Jason name? Bateman? Jason Bateman as like uh, the young from the hit from the hit film How Do I Know If I'm Really in Love? Oh yeah. I mean he's also in several other things. But but he and Justine Bateman and the guy from Cheers, they were all in How Do I Know If I'm Really in Love? Why the fuck are you bringing up this esoteric knowledge? <laughs> Because that's the main thing I know them from, and I think that's hilarious. But uh, him being like this surfer, like snowboardy dude is fucking hilarious. Oh, he constantly and... looks like he's dressed for. Um, he's far more drugged out than him. He, he looks like he has no idea where he is, but he's just going along with it. But I mean, come on, it's some of the it's some of the best lines in the movie, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... Old strategy. Let's see how that works out, Cotton. <laughs> yeah. Like, genuinely, um, I see that so many times when people just come up with a plan and it's just so dumb. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could imagine these clips coming up a lot in Channel Awesome videos. But, like, I, it, it's a thing. We need to mention it real quick. Uh, all the dick jokes? Yeah. This is, a, this is a movie that's trying to make fun of macho-ness by also being macho as hell. I mean, the, 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 the bad guy team is literally called the Purple Cobras. Mm-hmm. And they do their little dance when they come out, which is adorable. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do wish they would have stayed in the BDS. I love the like, oh, so you're you, know, you must be daddy. Like, always appreciate. I, I, I really that. didn't know how to feel about that gag when it happened. I was like, is this derogatory? I don't understand because I wasn't conscious of the culture at this time. Nah, man, he's just, you know, he's the daddy, though. He he's a respected elder. I just yeah. mean them wearing BDSM gear in general. Oh, no. I mean, it's I just an so. accident. I think it's just more of a gag of, like, we're in a shitty situation shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I love the scene where, like, they're getting, like, um, the BDSM people are, like, pulling out their forms, and it's the guy in the gimp mask who's like, this is fucking bullshit, like... <laughs> Uh, but i the thing i love more than that is that like they stay in the crowd and stay there for them in support the whole time and then join like the cheerleading crowd that show up in support oh can we talk about the fucking cheerleading subplot because that was like the most 2000s thing ever the uh the his mishap at the beginning that one was that's, that was oh that was cringe city because like the, that that sort of right. opinion on overweight women oh god that's practically extinct now yeah um and then just like 
the whole thing of like she happens to be there and the the dickhead jock happens to break all the bones the dickhead jock who is a cheerleader happens to break all the bones in his body and so he has to sub in which allows him to get a peek up his skirt her skirt while he's tossing her which is played like a big deal and then she comes and supports him at the end and then during that end scene, that's the ad for Average Joe's, if you pay attention in that last shot, she's fucking pregnant. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, that's like, I I was just like quickly, because that shot only lasts like 10 seconds or whatever, but I was like glancing at all of them during it. And I noticed that and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a very 2000s joke that I don't know if it's like it's meant to be derogatory or it's like meant to be fucking live in fantasy for boys that age watching this movie like what it just feels like it's uh it's a plot line they were going like oh no this is funny at the time and it just does it some of it still works like they foreshadow the dude falling off the roller coaster and breaking all of his bones and it's hilarious because yeah. it's like oh man dude just imagine breaking all his bones falling off a roller coaster and it's like come on what? It's never gonna happen. Yeah, and then the it does happen, and he's they, like, "Oh shit!" In the same way, they foreshadow the uh, patches. Up. You're like, that oh, it must and... be the luck of the Irish, and then like you see the luck, like the guy working on the luck of the Irish sign. Yeah, there's so much just like like amazing setup and payoff in this movie, and there's so many like there's like these are character, these are comedy characters. They're meant just to be d- there to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. But, like, they have interesting elements of it. Like, uh, the dude with glasses, who's a little sad, a little pathetic, but he's trying his best. He seems like a nice enough guy. And he's got the- a mail-order bride who hates him, but somehow they have two kids who also oh. hate him? No, they're oh, but- from a previous marriage. Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably why the mail-order bride hates him, then. <laughs> Like, he's at this gym all the time, and she's like, I don't want to take care of these brats. Yeah, but, uh, but it also, like, that that frustration fuels him being a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, he's the Hulk. <laughs> and uh, we've talked about him briefly. Pirate Steve. Pirate Steve is the best fucking guy. This movie does not deserve him. He needs a goddamn spinoff. Somebody start a change.org petition to get Alan Tudyk to reprise the role, damn it. I thought there was a... Is there? Dude, you're going to change my life if that's a thing. Dodgeball Thunderdome. That doesn't count. That's a sequel. There's an urban dictionary for Steve the Pirate. Hmm. <laughs> what, what's I'm it, sure what there's is a it? lot of urban dictionary entrances for this. No, like, I don't know why they decided, hey, let's just have a dude dressed up like a pirate. There's just just weird people like that in life sometimes. You always have that one friend who's really committed to the thing he's into. Like how, uh... No, I'm not gonna say that. But, like, no, it's... Because for most of the movie, it's like, oh, it's this pretty straightforward parody of, like, sports movies, of the underdog story. And then you just have Pirate Steve there going like, yo, I'm a dude dressed as a pirate. And that's the joke. It's just... It's just a great little like constant gag that you can do how do we feel about the uh the little love subplot pathetic dude and muscly lady yeah i mean it's nice that they didn't say like it is meant to be like haha look at the the freaks getting getting together but it seems more of like hey look at these people who might have not never met they're a little weird but 
they like each other anyway. It doesn't I mean, seem, it doesn't feel completely mean spirited in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I and guess he, this was sorry, go ahead, Snowcomb. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, and it, like he's not like fucking shitty either. Like he shoots his shot, you know, he likes he's he's not like meekish or anything. He's a little like brain dead in some scenes. I love the like like uh the guy trying to explain to him, he's like the guy who dresses up like a pirate, pirate Steve, Steve the pirate. And he's like, well, there's a guy named Steve the Pirate? What? Like, <laughs> He shows up completely unpirated, and he goes like, oh, hey, Steve the Pirate. It's That's so good. No, the best one of his lines was, hey, shoot my shot here. What if we, what if we pay it in Canadian dollars so we can save some money? And then they explain the math to him, and he goes like, how are we going to raise a $120,000? No, you don't add them together! <laughs> It's like, that's the kind of math shit that I've run into. That's really funny in a relatable kind of way. And honestly, like, I don't even think, I don't even know if this is the movie that made love Alan Tudyuk, but it's impossible not to. And everything that he's in is just perfect. He's the best thing about Rogue One. He's arguably one of the best things about uh, the Doom Patrol. Um, and he's in, almost, he's a lot of my favorite robots, strangely. I mean, I like him in those two things you mentioned, but do you guys want to know something kind of embarrassing about me? The first thing I ever saw him in was Transformers 3. Ooh. Yeah, where he's playing, like, the crazy bodyguard for Agent Simmons. I don't even remember. <laughs> I forced I mean, myself, so... He is, to his credit, he is, like, the best thing in that movie, because, in my opinion, that's the worst of the Bay films. Like, that is a miserable fucking film to sit through. It just feels like it doesn't even want to be on your screen. Um, but he he's just, like, saying the most hilarious random shit in that. Alan Tudyk is just fucking great in this. He's great in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of things. I'm on his IMBD page right now. Like, God, I didn't even... Also, great fun fact, when he's, like, moping and walking around the street about to be, uh, about to decide to not be a pirate anymore, and he gets yelled at by that one guy, I waited in the credits just to, like, see who all was who, because some of the actors I recognized and some of them I didn't. Do you know what that guy who yelled at him is credited as? Obnoxious Las Vegas homophobe. (laughs) Imagine putting that on your resume. I'm looking at the wiki quote page just to like see there's a funny some fucking great funny lines and it's just like it looks like Peter LaFleur has actually blindfolded himself. Yeah, he will not be able to see very well, Cotton. Yeah, like like little great little bits like that. Uh they must masturbate a lot, Cotton. Pepper needs new shorts. That's great. That's cool. You had me at blood and semen. There's this it's a solid it and it's not like a comedy movie that tries to like aim for the moon. It's a comedy movie that knows what it's going to do. It's a dumb sports story being a dumb sports story. Mm-hmm. It's a very comedy central kind of movie in that it's it's just like here is a premise that's a very thin frame for us to throw gags around and let these actors have some fun. I think this was like always on heavy rotation on comedy central for like years that's interesting i mean i've i've got the only thing i've ever watched on comedy central is the daily show so i was never like big into that channel oh man i i guess that'd be like another difference because like i grew up loving south park anything else comedy central had to offer chappelle or the chappelle show fucking Mm -hmm. a lot of this uh chappelle show I mean, that's that shit I want to get into if I ever have time. But like when I had the time and I was I was younger, 
I also had parents that were like so conservative. They put parental controls on the TV that didn't let me watch Drake and fucking Josh. Yeah, that's weird. Especially like I come from a house where it's very much like, all right, do you think you can handle it? All right, fucking watch it. Don't mm-hmm. fucking cry. Don't come crying to me. Like I watched. I Death mean, we eventually. When I was like ten. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely ideal when you're raising kids, in my opinion. But like. My parent, my I already described how my parents were when I was little, but like it, I got them to that place after years and years of chipping away at their resolve. I mean, I've kind of also much like for the longest time I wasn't allowed to watch this, but like my mom also wasn't. That's Cartoon Network. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's why. That's why I put a um. I put the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie on here because Aqua Teen Hunger Force will always, like, hands down be, like, one of my favorite comedies, if not, like, my thing to watch. For- Aqua Teen Hunger Force is another thing from the 2000s that it's, like, I only kind of know what that is, like this movie. No, if we're talking is- about, like, Adult Swim comedies, for me, it was never Aqua Teen Hunger Force. For me, it was always Metalocalypse. Mm-hmm. Metalocalypse is perfect, but, like, Metalocalypse Teen- is fantastic. Aqua Teen always like just got me. I think I, mean, I was I was put off by some of the voices. I think. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you you know how much like I quoted even in high school, just constantly you know, quoted. Your go to Halloween costume, if you don't have something, is just to be Carl. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Like that's it. It's just Carl because all you need is to fucking let your hair out for a week or two and get some sweats. Don't matter. Don't None matter. of this matters. I mean, he does have one of the best fucking gags in all of television comedy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but enough about that. Um, I mean, is there really too much left to say about this movie? You know, here's the thing: the it is such a fan- good. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a good composite of a uh, uh, licensed music. But I think, like, like this Ricky Bobby, we've already talked about, like those being de- defining. Like, go to, you want to seem funny, just quote this movie, movies. Hmm. And it's it it feels weird because Dodgeball is such, like, a big thing that it's not, like, big thing in, like, how I talk to people. But I it's not one of my favorite movies. Like, it's not even one of my favorite comedies. Like, I think I Love You Man is higher up in my opinion. Honestly, if I had to guess from an outsider's point of view... I think in another couple of years, this movie is going to be considered by our generation in the same kind of way that like Wayne's World and Bill and Ted is considered by people who are like 10 years older than us. Yeah, that's fair. Really solid like B plus movies that are like a good little nostalgia bump. Mm -hmm. I mean, Austin Powers is probably going to do it a little bit better. Now, see, Austin Powers, I have seen. Um, Which one? All of them. Okay. I watched them, the first time I saw them, it was on a fucking ABC Family Marathon of them one weekend. I think that was like, I want to say that was eight years ago. (laughs) You're just in Alan Tudyk mode. I mean, I know he was in Wreck-It Ralph. He's on a good number of Disney stuff. Oh, he's like just always Green Arrow. I mean, he he looks like a good Green Arrow. Dude, why the fuck does Stephen Amell exist when we could have Alan Tudyk as live-action Green Arrow? I say that knowing full well that Stephen Amell could beat me up if he wanted to. Please do not beat me up, Stephen Amell. I think you've had a fairly adequate career. I mean, he's regularly on Robot Chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's Joker in Harley Quinn. He's also His match at all in was solid. Trap, but yeah, no, I think, like, I like this movie 
I mean, I, I like it a shit ton. It's a, it's, it's good and solid. There's plenty yeah. of comedies because, like, I'm always somebody who, like, I will almost say that I don't like comedy. I like will not actively go on a movie unless I hear it actually good. Well, that's because most few... comedy movies now are terrible. Not even now. Like even back in the day, like I would just not like comedy movies. Oh, okay. Um, shit like the bench. There were movies that I liked that were comedies, but it was never like this is my favorite thing because like a lot of times I wouldn't laugh, and like this is a movie that can still make me laugh. And, like, I laugh for different reasons nowadays. It's, like, it's still nice. Um, so I always appreciate that. Uh, however, Austin Powers is fucking it. Um, Hell yeah. But, guys, we are 45 minutes in now. So do we have anything else to say on dad? On I almost said dodgeball. Uh, on dodgeball. Or do we want to wrap up and find out what we're talking about? Uh, actually, not next week. I completely forgot to talk about this during the opening, but... We're going to be taking a break uh, next week um, because next week our recording night will fall on Halloween. And I think all of us want to do other shit. Plus, we kind of need to take a recording break that uh, one week in the next couple weeks in order to be able to hit a certain milestone at the summit. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you guys will hear this episode on the 30th. But we will not be recording an episode the following night like we normally would, which means there will be no episode on November 6th. The next episode will be uh, recorded on November 7th and will come out on the 13th, the night before the summit starts. Um, I think the only thing we really... Yeah. <laughs> I think the only thing I want to mention is the fact that the original ending for the movie had the average Joes losing. Really? That's interesting. It did not test well with audiences, so they went and <laughs> made the new ending. I can imagine so. But, uh, next week? Or ne- the next episode? Next episode! Next time on Analytical Fanboys, the boys will discuss... If it'll load. She Could Fly, which is an indie comic that yours truly put on the list. All right, well, I guess we're going to have to figure out a fucking way to read that. I, I can find it on Read Comics for you guys. It's not going to be that hard. Because that's how I read it originally. But yeah, that's what we'll be talking about next time. I don't want to spoil it too much. But basically, it does take place in a fairly grounded, realistic world. But a superhero of sorts appears. And our main character is someone who becomes obsessed with that person and sort of gets involved in a government conspiracy surrounding them, and then shit gets weird. It's like six issues. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Actually, I'm pulling it up now. Oh, it's four issues. So you could read this in literally one sitting, and I will link it right now. But that'll be uh, next time on AF. But uh, for now, Cody, why don't you go take your piss break, and Chris, let's talk about some wrestling. Oh boy, uh, what should we talk about fucking first? Because, uh, <laughs> like, there's I a mean, lot. They put the they put the Jags cheerleaders to work this week, bro. Oh, yeah. Um, but first, I think we should talk, like, okay, so first things first. Uh, number one contendership tournament has started. We got all first four elimination matches. And, um, we got pretty much... Myself, we got the first three and a half. 
<laughs> we Just got pretty much barely a match. Listen, we got pretty much the results I was expecting, but all the matches went differently than I was expecting. Which is to say, the one I thought would take the longest went the shortest, and the one I thought would go the shortest went the longest. I mean, fuck, dude. So let's. I I'd say let's go. Let's talk about the impactful one last, and I think we can agree which one that one is. Uh, so Hangman versus who was it? Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana. It was fun. It was good. They played off each other pretty well. It was a solid match. I would not. I would not say there was anything super special about it, except that it ended with Dark Order actually helping Colt Cabana to the back. Yeah, it definitely feels like they're trying to portray it as um, Brody Lee is kind of the toxic element in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a fun match. It was, it, but it also was playing in the fact that like Hangman was trying to get off the buckshot and Colt Cabana was trying to get off the boom elbow. Yeah, and it was it it was solidly booked and solidly uh, psychological. Mm-hmm. Good match to show that hey, Hangman can fucking hang. So, uh, hot take: Jungle Boy and Wardlow was kind of boring. I can get that, but like I dug it because you know I it's it's fine. It was also just to show, like, hey, here's the big, bad, tough boy that Hangman has to beat. I mean, also, I was going into it expecting it to be a David and Goliath story that would lead into Jungle Boy and Hangman having a big, I respect you, I respect you, now let's beat each other to fuck up next week. And instead it was just, look how strong Wardlow is! And and also, we gotta remember, that's another plate they're spending of eventually breaking Wardlow off of MJF. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's probably going to happen at some point soon if they do actually go the MJF joins the inner circle direction. Because they're either going to do that or it's going to be big, big marquee tag match of MJF and Wardlow versus uh, Jericho and Jake Hager. Yeah. Um, but then we have uh, the Mexican boys uh, jumping jamboree of uh, Ray Phoenix versus Penta El Cerro M. That match fucking stole the show, dude. It was I great. I was legitimately blown away. Um, like this match took me from yeah, I like the Lucha Bros. They're pretty quick. They're pretty cool. I don't know if I need their AEW figures though. To where the fuck is a pre-order for the fucking two pack? I need it now. Like because they also played it into it really well. The commentary team did a fucking excellent job of going like these guys are brothers. They know each other this well. They've done this before. Dear God, what's going to happen now? All the while, Eddie Kingston is just off to the side shouting, There's Penta! He's my friend! I love Penta! Look at Penta! Oh, Phoenix. Phoenix is getting up, bro! And that's playing into the fact that they probably want to turn Phoenix face eventually, because he's a really good face. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, that whole thing that happened on social media two days later of Phoenix had to give up his win to Penta because he fucking injured him. Like... Ooh, that's that's just planting a seed that's gonna grow into a wonderful oak tree in the next couple months. I can see it. Oh yeah, but also like, hold on. Uh, the chop off was fucking great because it was very much like, hey, no, we're brothers. We're we don't have to fucking fight to the death to figure out who's better. We're just gonna fucking do this. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And then Kenny, um, if this was WWE, we'd say that Kenny buried Sunny Kiss. I mean, to an extent, like, it, 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 it makes uh, Kenny just look fucking huge. Yeah. Like, he can just do that. It was one of the most wonderful artistic wrestling things I've also seen. 
that made me love Kenny Omega even more than I already did, but also made me feel so bad for Sonny Kiss. Because this wasn't even supposed to be fucking Sonny Kiss's match. Joey Janela came into contact with somebody who had COVID, so they had to swap them, which makes perfect sense. They're a tag team. You can swap one out for the other, and it, and it feels like just kind of a friendship thing. But then... Kenny has this huge fucking extravagant entrance that starts with like this epic rumbling music and all this footage of Japan while Justin Roberts is listing off like every accolade you can possibly fucking imagine. And then it just goes to this sick ass club beat while two of the Jag cheerleaders come out in these like really unique looking swimsuits that everybody said were bikinis but were clearly one pieces with an open front. Ollie Davis, you fucking hack. Um, and they've got brooms, and they're literally cleaning out the heel side of the entrance for him. Like, just saying, yeah, Kenny's still saying he's a face, but he's headed that direction. And then he comes out, and Battle Cry hits, and it's like the most epic that song has ever felt. And then... He does two moves... Pins him while looking the most bored he has ever looked. And then when he wins the match, he holds up Sonny Kiss's hands like, look at this guy. He put on a fucking shirt, Kenny. Mm -hmm. And like they knew what they were doing here because as soon as that free count happened, they cut to a fan holding a sign that said the cleaner lives. It, it, it makes me excited to see next week because goddamn Penta versus Kenny. Yeah. Like, that's what I predicted. And we didn't get it. And I was like, okay, that might be fun. Phoenix versus Kenny might be fun. And then they're like, psych, bitch. Here's what you wanted in the first place. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is better. And it happened in a much more interesting way. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be interesting. But that was the, the tournament. We also then, then had uh, two promos that I want to talk about the Mox and the Kingston promo because fuck, dude. That was good shit. So good because because basically Eddie Kingston's going like, nah, man, you fucking left us. You went to the fucking WWE. Fuck you, you entertainer. And Moxley's going like, bro, I needed the money. You know that as well as anybody else. Also, but I hated it there. And you and I haven't changed. You've changed. You've become bitter. You've become an asshole. Fuck you. I want my friend back. That was a fucking line. It was and then Eddie comes back with, you don't think I don't, you think I don't know that? I know I'm a fucking asshole. I fucking hate myself, but I have to be an asshole to survive in this industry anymore. And it's like, oh no, I feel for both of them. This is going to be a face versus face match. I just want I just want them on their knees, battered and bruised, just punch, 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 just like taking everything they have out on each other. Because goddamn, there's also elements of like Box can see some of himself in Kingston because he's doing everything he did. He did everything he could to like make it farther in life. So he had the money so he could have it and he compromised himself to do it. And he hates himself for that. And Kingston sees himself in Mox because fuck, he just took a big contract with AEW. Who is he? How is he any better? Mm -hmm. You know, it's that kind of mindset. And it's like, it's so good. Also, like if the elite weren't in the middle of imploding, I would really want to see the family versus the elite because watching those promos from dark, it feels like an, a negative universe version of the elite. Like there's so much good shit going on there. And note 
all of this storyline happened because they botched Eddie Kingston being eliminated from a battle royale. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. It's so also, good. can we can we acknowledge how amazing those match graphics for full gear are? With like the gears making face tats for everybody and making them seem like ten times more badass, which is something I never thought I'd say about face tats. Because it's because it fe- makes them feel like they're part of this grand, overcompassing machine. So good, so good. Um, um, but before we get to the other big thing, I think we need to go over a couple side things. So this is probably the first time I've ever agreed with Russell Talk that the women's match felt a little token. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kylan King basically just got squashed by Britt Baker, so they could say, like, oh, Britt Baker's getting up in the rankings, Hikaru Shida better watch out, and I'm like, yeah, but where the fuck is Hikaru? I mean, I know from her Instagram she's in the audience, but you're not showing her at all right now. What the hell? Feels like it's a problem I can see, and it's definitely a problem that they put themselves in, of they didn't have women... Because of COVID, mm-hmm. they they couldn't get their their main women roster up and about. The alien is on the shelf. The French lady is stuck in France, and the Joshis are stuck in Japan, except for the one that moved to Florida right before the pandemic. Right, and so they went. Okay, in the meantime, we'll try and keep some of it spinning. It's not going to be great, but we're going to try. It's going to be a little bit, mm-hmm. and we're going to focus on some bigger singles and tag matches and build up stories there so not necessarily that it's less noticeable that we have the content to fill out the show so we're going to do that because we have the people for that and now that they've done that they have all these storylines that are in the middle of going on are still being worked on because they like to work slow when building a story which good i mean kenny's Kenny's story has technically been going on the same path since double or nothing the first exactly. double or nothing. But now that they have all these stories in the men's uh, division that they have to deal with, they can't put them off because that's the AEW promise is like storylines are going to matter. Wins and losses matter. Things like this matter that they can't fit women's division stuff in. And I now mean, that they kind of have a little bit more leeway on it. They, they don't have the room because it's like, shit, we've done so much. We're full up here and we got to get through some of this so we can just like get through it and i mean they keep talking about like that second tnt show is gonna start soonish like it's supposed to start before the end of the year i don't think it actually will because of covid but they keep saying it will and if i were to make one request for that show's format i would say just make it the inverse of dynamite make the women the main focus of that show yeah like the and like they tried so many different little things to keep keep the women's division up and running. It's like, oh, let's give Big Swole a good couple of angles. Let's give Hikaru Shido a couple of angles. Let's bring in some NWA. And people were going like, oh, but the NWA thing was like a quick hot shot thing. And it's like, yeah, it was because that's all they can afford to do with the time they have. And I mean, who cares? It got a lot of people way more excited about Hikaru and Thunder Rosa than they had been in months. I'm not saying that this isn't a negative thing. It is. It's bad that they don't have room for the women's division. But it's like a damned if you did, damned if you didn't kind of situation. It's a situation that sucks rather than it's a fuck you for doing it this way. Yeah. And I f- have a feeling like after Full Gear, 
once a lot of these storylines are kind of done, we'll probably get a lot more women's division stuff. Fingers crossed, dude. Because um, there's a lot of stories going on in there that are going to be either wrapping up or getting into a new chapter, meaning that they can be put on the back burner a little bit. So the Kenny going heel, going for the title, that can that can be put on the back burner for a little bit because, hey, he's the number one contender now. All's good there. Um, the Kingston-Mox uh, feud can be put the rest there. I'm trying to think of other things that are going on. Uh, the Bucks and FTR storyline that's been going on can be put a... Uh, can be put pinned there essentially i think one of let's let's just talk about that right now because like i think we're hitted for one of two things either the bucks finally become the tag champs at full gear and then right after that kenny finally becomes the world champ or the bucks are gonna crash and fail so hard and they're gonna go into their emo phase and then kenny's gonna be on top and it's gonna like propel their emo phase even harder i don't want ftr to win because it's always been like that back and forth it's like the bucks have always been seen as like the better team you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying in the conver- in the internet wrestling community that's always been kind of the vibe but to have them lose would do several things it shows that the bucks are willing to put people over in their own company they've shown that already with private party but like doing that to ftr wwe darlings essentially and like this big marquee match that they could have put themselves over they didn't that'd be fan that'd be infinitely fascinating i think i i definitely agree with you but i also think that what the average fan wants is for this to be the bucks crowning moment finally because like there's stories crowd yeah and i agree with that but like their story so far in aew has been them struggling to get um to get to where they thought they were going to be and like constantly getting disappointed and on bte for the last like month or so they've been just getting more and more frustrated with themselves and hangman and just their whole situation in general and i feel like that's coming to a head here and that head like i said is going to go one or two one of two ways either like finally reaching the mountaintop or falling all the way back down to the foothills here's what i would like to see fantasy booking uh, minor thing kenny wins kenny wins his title fucking great the bucks lose at full gear they lose hard they lose definitively in the middle of the ring and the ftr does not cheat dude they just get squashed not squashed they have a competitive match like it's a back and forth that could go either way but ftr wins they're the better team and the bucks are fucking pissed despondent they're broken and they basically go to kenny and go like this fucking sucks and he goes like guys we just need to be like how we were in japan man and they start acting like his fucking bodyguards and whenever kenny doesn't want to deal with a person hey have you met the bucks super kick Mm. like they're his uh hit squad hell yeah that would that would just be redoing their bullet club which i'm fine with um, so, like recontextualizes it as like it's not necessarily like we're being disrespected and a Japanese company respect us. It's we're fucking pissed. Fuck you. This was supposed to be our company. But it also it, it creates a heel authority figure without creating a heel authority figure mm-hmm. because the authority figure is still. No, no, no. Gone. It's not. It's not a heel authority figure. It's a reign of terror. Oh, yeah. Because then, hey. No, 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 yeah, of course you can have a match against Kenny. 
You just also have to find a, a tag team partner and fight against the Bucks. And that, though, that's how you bring in Hangman for the title. He has to go against all of the elite in order to justify him being a good wrestler. The only question I have is, where does Cody fall into all this? Because he's still saying he's a face. Like, are we making him a delusional heel? Or is he just going to keep, like, staying outside that bubble in order to do his own stories? I think a little bit of the outside bubble, but, like, I would have it be, like, Kenny goes up to Cody and goes, like, hey, where are you in this situation? And goes, like, this is a you versus him situation. I don't want to get involved because I care about both of you. You know what would be, like, a, a great setup for that story as well? Kenny goes to Cody and offers him a title shot. Says, you, look, you said you would never challenge again. That doesn't mean you can't be offered a shot at the title. And and Cody's just like, dude, I fought you twice and lost twice in other companies. What, why are you offering me this pity loss? Like, there's so many little elements that you can do with it, and it's interesting. Especially if you have, like, not just the Bucks, but you also have a crew of, like, Nakazawa and uh, Brandon Cutler. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That could, that Riho? Dude, heel Riho would make my fucking life. And that's the elite. And like Cody goes like, wait, what What are you talking about? This isn't the elite. What? Where's my voice? And they go like, dude, go have your nightmare somewhere else. <laughs> no, no, no. Go live your dream somewhere else. Oh, yes. Yes. And all of this is much more interesting to think about than the fucking boring ass filler ass Team Taz promo that happened this week. It was fine. Yeah. But, like, the most notable thing about it was Brian Cage finally got to talk for himself on Dynamite. Yeah, it was okay. Uh-huh. Uh, the four-way uh, tag team match was pretty good. Yeah, I loved seeing uh, John Silver run wild. Like, that was totally unexpected, and I'm like, oh, oh no, they, they definitely realize how over he's getting from BTE, and they're they're setting these him and uh, Reynolds up for an actual push. Yeah. And that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have to talk about the segment. The fucking segment. The segment that made me, for the first time in my life, go, you know what? I'm going to make a tweet just so I could try and bait MJF into into yelling at me. It didn't happen, okay. but I made that tweet. Real quick. Positive or negative? Negative in a joking sort of way. Here, I'll just fucking grab it and link it in the oh, chat. Your opinion on the segment. Oh, um... Yeah, it was fine. Like, I didn't fall in love with it, but I also didn't despise it like a lot of people, like Jim Cornette did. Oh, dude, you could hear Jim Cornette. I could hear Jim Cornette having an aneurysm from all the way in my state, which is like five states away from him. Okay, so the segment in question is Le Denon d'Arbanel. There's my tweet, by the way. (laughs) Oh, that's fucking great. Um, Thank you. Uh... Chris Jericho and MJF have a nice steak dinner. They both order it well done at first because they're fucking assholes. And that's not how you fucking eat a steak. Medium well. Medium rare. I'm a medium well guy. Dude, yeah. I'm dude, I'm rare. Okay. Well, that's fine. We don't have to have a pissing contest like they did and just <laughs> keep going down the rack until, until Jericho orders his steak blue. Which basically is like raw. Yeah. I think a more accurate way of doing it would be like it's on this it's on the heat for like psh, psh, there you go. 
Mm-hmm. Um, um, so they so they do that, and they're waiting for their steak, and they start having this whole back and forth. And then you hear music, and then you hear singing, and it's a goddamn musical number. It's a fucking Rat Pack song, dude. It's still a musical number, and like, MJF fucking sings Jericho out of the fucking room because MJF is an actual classically trained singer, which is a thing I discovered after this. Because he was in the choir. Mm-hmm. You just have Chris Jericho straining with his rock voice. Uh huh. Just like throwing out references to faces and beating them up, and like. That's another funny thing with this segment is, like, they were going to contact Frank Sinatra's estate to get permission to use the song. And then their lawyers double-checked it before they did, and they were like, no, with all the references to other people in the company, you've changed it enough that it now falls under parody law. You have reached the certain percentile of parody. Mm-hmm. It, I love this segment because it fe- doesn't feel like uh, this is a natural thing that's happening. It feels like... Chris Jericho, the character, and MJF, the character, came together and went, hey, let's just do something to pop ourselves and make us ourselves happy and also just piss off all the people. Mm -hmm. Because it's two cocky heels who think they're the best and everything they do is the best singing about why they're the best and then being together will be the best thing ever. It's not presented as like, this makes them badasses. It's presented as as if these are a couple of goofs. Mm Mm-hmm. After Jericho just spent like two minutes talking down to MJF about how he's a rude little shit. Like, that's the thing people don't, like, a lot of old head wrestling fans need to understand. There is a new meta kayfabe. Not everything presented on screen is meant to be 100% kayfabe. Sometimes it is an act within an act, like this, where it's purposefully designed to be... No, these guys are kind of having a joke at your expense. Mm-hmm. Like, BTE. BTE is kind of kayfabe, but it's also, here's a skit show with all the wrestlers. Yeah, but no, I, I, I enjoyed this segment a fair bit. Um, I was thrown off a bit by the fact that some of the lip syncing was pretty off, but, like, they probably shot this in an afternoon, so I can't blame them. Um, uh, but... But I thought it was as well executed as it possibly could be. And, like, it's a, it's a fine idea, especially for these two characters. I Like, other than the fact that this, is, this took place on a wrestling show, I don't see why there needed to be as much discussion of this as there has been online for the last week. Yeah, no, it's all because it's a wrestling show. And What? And singing you- and dancing in my fake fighting show? That doesn't make sense. And, like... Here's the thing. I don't think this should ever happen again. It's one and done. We're good. No, but like this is also because this is so different than anything else. This is a segment that's going to be talked about for decades to come. Oh, yeah. Oh, very much so. This is the new Stone Cold coming with a beer truck. Yeah, because it's also like, again, you couldn't put Orange Cassidy in here. You couldn't put the Bucks. You couldn't put Kenny. It had to be Chris Jericho and MJF. Good. Yeah, that was, that was wrestling. And, like, I can't wait for next week when they do a town hall meeting. Oh, boy, that's going to be fucking... That's going to be fucking fuck. Yeah. Also, I didn't mention it during the... When we were talking about the movie. Dude, MJF took his catchphrase from a fucking dodgeball. Yes! Oh, my God, I meant to talk about that, too! <laughs> I'm, like, oh, my God. And he's old enough. 
that he probably saw that movie as a kid. Oh, very much so. Uh, Cody, for reference, MJF's catchphrase is I'm better than you and you know it. And that's something that Ben Stiller's character says to Vince Vaughn's character in, in the movie. That's the uh, global gym catchphrase. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. better than you and you know it. Because MJF's whole thing is like he's a spoiled rich guy with muscles. Who's also a little bit of a sociopath. Yep. Um, but, but hey, Cody, you're talking again, so why don't you talk about whatever the hell your vibe is this week? Uh, right now I got um, Flavor Blaster Cheesy Pieces Goldfish. They're pretty good. Hell um, yeah! I love those. Is that is that the whole thing? No, I'm trying to think of uh, <laughs> what it really could be, because I got some Black Series figures. I got Double Dealer, both of which are all right. I was going to say, Double Dealer looks like he's either the best thing ever or a total hot mess. How is he? It's very good. Uh, I I like everything that he could do. Uh, I bought Snapdragon or whatever, and I'm not a fan of that figure. Really? And yeah, and then I got Double Dealer, and like, cause Snapdragon felt too Titans Return. Double Dealer feels like if Titans Return was done in the Siege format. See, so. I liked I liked uh, Snapdragon for how Titans Return he is. He felt like a throwback to me, in, in like a. Like, a, oh, I forgot what this engineering is like. It's it's not as bad as I remember. It's actually kind of neat. I don't know. I, I, like, once they gave me all their articulation, like, as a standard for, like, the it, it's the it's it's the feet. It's the ankle rockers and everything. Ah. I cannot stand. And, like, it hurts. I cannot stand figures not having them. So you're a spoiled TFW poster now. Well, no, it, it's something I always wanted, because when a figure did have it, I was like, perfect. It could stand up by itself. It could do all this shit. And then when it couldn't do it, like, that's one of my least favorite things about the uh, Grimlock we got from Power of the Primes, is that, like, his feet were just so fucking massive, because they all are supposed to be, that he could only stand one way, and that's it. Does some of these trips... Grimlock look like he has ankle, ankle lock? They does he... do. Okay. They do. Every single I... one of them has the same, if not better... I think they all have wrists. Wow. Um, but I don't know. The um, I also picked up quite a few um, Star Wars Black Series figures. The I best of which is hands down the uh, Incinerator Trooper. I knew I was going to like that Trooper because it came from a very special part in my heart that I always wanted a toy of. Uh, and then it just so happens to be like one of the best Black Series figures that I've put my hands on. Because you posted pictures on my server, the only thing that messes me up a little bit is I the red just feels weird on the helmet. It feels weirdly placed. I know it's the design of the character, but like just how much red there is on the bottom just feels like he just ate a lot of berries. Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. Um, I get that. Uh, but I don't think he's the only Stormtrooper that has that, like a design like that or clone trooper for that matter yeah i um, think that's why they did that was to kind of differentiate him from the other troopers with red on them um i'm not saying it's bad it's just that that's like my first go-to thought is like oh he's like that rabbit who ate a strawberry yeah um but i mean like i don't think we ever got a toy of him way back when um but i'm glad to get a toy of him let me check real quick uh yeah let me just google how 2008 uh yeah wow um, so it's been a while, you know, been a while that I wanted that. Um, I think probably my biggest vibe is going to be, uh, I rewatched cars three with my friend Cole, who had Whoa. not seen it at all. Um, 
And I, being the southern red, former redneck, maybe I'm definitely um, the person that I am. You know, whenever Cars came out, it was made for me. It was literally made for me, for people <laughs> just like me. No, and like then Cars Two is you know whatever. It's it's fine. People say it's the worst Pixar movie. It's definitely not a good sequel. Cars Three is the literal perfect sequel to Cars One, and I think it's better. Okay. Um, I mean, it doesn't have Mater going through a James Bond movie. Yeah, but like, it literally is a return to form, but it does more to like, it, it does so much. Because like, me and Cole know a lot about the history of NASCAR and like racing in general. And like, I grew up knowing far more than what I was supposed to just because I used to want to be like a pit crew chief or just like a pit crew worker in general. I wanted to be an ASC certified mechanic. Um, and I used to look at like uh, places like Tulsa welding school or like uh, I forget what the uh, NASCAR Academy was called, but there is, and they have several campuses and it's not too hard to get in. Um, you built like roadsters and shit like that in those uh, campuses. It's fucking awesome. Um, but this movie does so much. Um, if you're a NASCAR fan, like I, I don't even know if it's a good movie. Like it, it's gotta be a good movie by itself. Um, like a good cohesive movie start to finish but it's so hard for me to remove everything that i know because like everything they did in this movie is a hundred percent like a love letter to people who are fans of racing because like they literally have a representation for like wendell scott the first um female racer uh and a couple of other just like famous like deep cut um historical figures in racing they talk about moonshine they talk about like the beach races and stuff like that it's just it's a good watch if yep. you know racing if you like nascar if you ever liked in motors or if you like a cole cried and not at the end cole cried in this movie and i was surprised because like i teared up the first time i watched it but um i mean that's just super interesting to hear that like somebody feels that way about cars because I'm in that demographic that watched the first Cars like a year after it came out when this is the most bland movie Pixar has ever done and then never bothered with the series again. No, nah, see, it was so different for me whenever that movie came out. I mean, I have several friends, but we're all from the South. My friend Leslie like still collects like the die-cast cars, the Hot Wheel scale cars. Um, I mean, shit, I don't even know if I don't know if Chevrons are like a uh, Southern thing or if it's everywhere, but um the chevron gas stations when i was super young used to sell like cars with human faces and as you'd roll them their eyes would move back and forth they were similar to the um to the hess station cars um which i have does hess even exist anymore i think yeah, i see them bro i haven't seen a hess in ever there's um, one on the way towards st augustine i think there was one near my house when i lived in naples and there's one here in, like, a city over that I sometimes see when I have to go up there. But anyways, um, I've always loved cars like that. But, like, that that's the thing. Because, like, I, I talked to my friend Bats about this, and I talked to a couple other people who are, like, come from a thousand percent different demographic. Like, they're from, like, Bats is from Thailand originally and then came over so like they grew up with like some cartoons but like they definitely didn't grow up being a fucking fan of nascar and like so as like as removed as it could be to like no vehicles in this day and age 
um, compared to like most. It's like twice removed to be a fan of fucking NASCAR, which is, in my opinion, one of the lesser racing sports. Um, not it's, to not it is it's less respected mainly because it, it it is a heavy focus on circuit courses and not road courses. Yeah, and I mean, also there's the there was the constant barrage of jokes in the early two thousands of like that sport is so riveting. Oh, they're making a left turn. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole the sport is it's about a... position. Yeah, I mean, now it's very different. Um, that's another thing that the Cars movie gets very right. They uh, talk... See, it's it's shit that literally doesn't matter to, like, anybody who doesn't fucking know about any... Because, like, they get the details of, like, the different rules in racing in NASCAR specifically from beginning to end. And, like, up until, like, modernized NASCAR racing where it's, like... It used to be a lot like Formula One where it was about who could build the better car within the limitations and squeeze every little bit of horsepower and speed out of the engine that you're given. And now it's everyone is locked in the same exact thing. So it has nothing to do with what car is better, even though they all have different badging. It's about drafting and just endurance, which in my opinion... Talent of the racer. Yeah, that's a little bit more boring now. Um, yeah, you're not gonna day, get a you're not gonna get a fucking what's the car with the giant ass wing? Uh, that's Richard Petty's. Uh, day. Yeah, yeah, day, Superbirds. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, you're not gonna get another Superbird in NASCAR. No, and like that's a thing, man. Like literally, I can't really see this this movie being for anybody else but people who grew up in the graphic. Yeah, because I'm like. You, yeah, like, like even I, who's not like, I'm into motorsport, I'm into cars, but like not to the extent you are. And I have a connection with NASCAR because my grandfather was a mechanic in some of the earliest uh, when it became an official organization. And I mean, like, it's always interesting for me to hear people talk about that kind of shit and like why they're into it. It's in, I'm interested in people, anybody being passionate about anything, but like, I guess I can't connect with that because. Much like American football, cars are just one of those things that's supposed to be universal, but never came to me. Like, I'm literally that guy who goes, ah, as long as it has four wheels and engine runs and can keep the climate temperate, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah like, like, that's fine. Um, and I was it, always much more about, like, the aesthetic of a car than the internals. I It's only recently that I've gotten interested in actual mechanical like the engines and stuff i think donut meeting so many new oh yeah no it's, it's because of donut it is because of donut yeah no but like donut has done such a good job of just fucking just god dude everything that donut does that just presents i think like donuts being responsible for like so much more they're getting people in, into shit that like like people are talking about rally racing again not that it really ever died and shit like that you know not, not to like harp on donut for too long here it's just yeah, but rally never really took off in America. It had its bits and moments, but rally's always been much more of a European sport. But I remember as a kid playing the games and it being a big fucking deal back then. And like a little window of time, I was just like, "Holy shit, it's rally racing! Holy fuck!" Like, um, like no money pit. The donut show money pit made me go like, "Oh, I can actually do this. This is a thing I can do." Okay, that's the thing I want to do one day. I want to get a car. I want to look up the forums, see the tutorials, and I want to fucking build a nice Mustang or whatever. But no, anyways, I'm I'm now forever interested since I've rewatched it recently. Cause like 
I know my opinion within some of my friend groups when it comes to tends to be a little bit different or I might appreciate something a little bit more. Sometimes I like something or I dislike something, but I know I have a lot of animate, animating friends um, to judge like anything, Pixar, anything like that with like a fucking razage. Um, they look because they tear apart the style and everything like that. They're not being dicks. They're just noticing what they notice. And I noticed that shit too. I just care a little bit less about it just because I was going to be an anime, but I went the complete opposite. I, I talked about it. Um, but so now I just want to know, I'm like, is this a good movie or is this just like a literal country song to my country heart? Like, so I'm always interested in it. But other than that, I, I think it might. I mean, you could always put it on the list and I'll. OK, <laughs> I was going to say I'll have to watch it. And I suppose, given how I've just spoken about my my disinterest in cars, that'll probably be the ultimate test of whether it's a good movie or not. Here's the thing. The more you're going to hang out with the both of us, the more you're going to get into motor vehicles. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you've already got me on, like, r slash weird wheels and watching tons of regular cars videos. Like, I'm still working my way through their library. Regular cars. That shit is phenomenal. Because oh, yeah. one of my favorite things about um, that YouTube channel is, like, they talk about fun factor with, like, everything just a little bit. And, like, some of this, like, crazy obscure shit, um, like, one of my favorite... Uh, episodes they did was on the um the customized like van truck mm -hmm. just because it's again that's something that i saw a lot in putnam county <laughs> growing up because brought man there's some shit that you'd see in the early 2000s where you're like hmm how'd you get it out here man how how you doing how you not dead oh you still see some some of those every once in a while oh yeah like uh two years ago I was shopping for uh, cars on Craigslist, and I found a motherfucker who had welded their own vehicle together, and it ran on propane. It, it was it was it was a fever dream of a fucking post because they're like they're like the only exceptions to buying this vehicle is you have to agree to bring it back to me regularly so I can recharge it with propane so it could like I was like who the fuck's gonna buy this? Like, <laughs> I'm like bro, no one will ever steal it because it has like a fucking like cockpit for just starting the thing like it's got so many switches and bullshit you gotta like flip like runs on propane bro are you kidding like i saw duct okay. tape on the rail like anyways yeah i was gonna say we're getting a little off topic here and we're like an hour and a half into this episode now which i should just say like i fucking apologize for how long these episodes are getting we're working on a solution to that that's Prob probably just gonna be just fucking bring back MMWP so there isn't a half hour of me and Chris rambling about wrestling while Cody twiddles his thumbs. So, don't worry. The, the fucking hour 40 minute episodes will be a thing of the past soon. Hopefully. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's mainly Chris that's working on that. I'm just making promises I can't keep. One thing you could probably do, um, if you're blasting it out there right now in the we could just change when we do. You could just do the wrestling after, we, like, I leave, y'all stay. I mean, we're, we, we already have a solution brewing up, and we'll tell you after the, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We've got something similar to that, but not quite the same. Um, so, Fucking, you know what? I'll just say it. Go to the Modular Summit if you want to know about that. We're going to, that, that'll be a thing we'll talk about at the Modular Summit. We may have already announced the thing where we're going to make that announcement, even. So, fucking should i just go to my vibe now okay yes. um so i've not had a lot of time for media outside of 
shit for shit we're talking about um this week and it's probably gonna stay that week until after the summit like i've just been so fucking busy and i've got to stay so fucking busy in order to pull this thing off pretty much through the end of the year because a lot of the content we're gonna shoot at the summit i'm probably gonna end up editing um and fucking i did watch one thing this week though because it's october and in my opinion it should be required by law that during october you have to watch a scooby-doo related thing um so i decided you know what let's watch a movie from my childhood that i haven't seen in at least 10 years so i rewatched scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed which happens to also be a comedy from 2004 um did not realize that until i downloaded the torrent but yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think that movie really holds up. It holds like, up better than the first one, I think. Yeah. I mean, the first one mostly suffers from trying to change too much and getting fucked over in the editing room. But, like, this movie is literally just... No, nah, we're just doing a big-budget episode. This is just a big-budget episode. And it works in that way because there's... So much fun fan service in that on actually like propelling characters arcs like the main arc of that movie is Scooby and Shaggy going, man, we're the screw ups. We keep messing up everything. We've got to we've got to like get our shit together. And then they figure out by the end of it, like, no, being screw ups is how we end up solving the case all the time. Us being screw ups is important. Um. And then there's all the fan service with all the old monsters coming back and looking amazing. Like, I legitimately love the Black Knight in this movie. He's basically just Goldar from Power Rangers, but he's kind of wonderful in that. Um, and they make some of the monsters legitimately terrifying. Like, I remember seeing this movie as a kid and thinking the fact that the 10,000 volt ghost was just a giant electricity man was the was the most intimidating thing ever. I'm like, oh, Captain Cutler could just be hiding beneath the surface of a lake at any time was pants to be darkened level stuff for, a, I think I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old when I first saw this. Um, and like, you know, the Velma trying to be more sexy for a guy she likes, who's clearly like just as nerdy as she is. That can maybe come off as a little condescending nowadays, but the but I think it plays fine, especially considering that they end up in a no, you're perfect just the way you are. He likes you because you're a nerd kind of thing. I think that's a fine message to show to kids and probably should still work. But I, I don't I don't know the exact politics of feminism these days. Um, and then. Like, there's just some great aesthetic shot, aesthetic stuff in this. Because, like, the casting isn't exactly perfect, but everybody fits into the roles naturally. I mean, Matthew Lillard is so perfect as Shaggy that they literally made him the voice of Shaggy after these movies in everything. Um, and, like, oh, no. the, I'm sorry? Gonna say, man, you're insulting the casting of this movie, dude. That's ooh, it's a hot take, dude. I mean, like, I'm saying in comparison to the cartoon counterparts, they don't all exactly look the part, but they fall into the role so well, especially in this movie, that I kind of just found myself switching into a brain mode of like, no, this is great, this is perfect. Like, 
this isn't exactly what I think of when I think of Fred nowadays, but it's still a perfectly fine and enjoyable version of him. Like, I'm, I'm more used to the modern version of Fred from, like, Mystery Incorporated now, but this Fred is still a great Fred. Um, and, like, I, I don't know. I've never been too into Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne, but it works way better than I remember it working. Especially because in this in this movie, they're not as overt with the, oh, look, we have Sarah Michelle Gellar, so we're going to make Daphne a badass. Like, it's it's a much more integrated thing into the plot instead of a glaring, look at this actress kind of thing. Um, and uh, also, I just love the music choices in this film. It's all it's all very of the time music. But it's such a wonderful time capsule because of that. Um, like, I, I was legitimately shocked there was no Smash Mouth on this soundtrack. Because everything else is such that, like, 2000s Gen Xer kind of ironic, but also with a smile music. And it's, it's all great. And there's also, like, some remixes of 60s songs. The movie literally ends with them dancing to I'd Like to Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again, which is bizarre, but okay. Um, like, the only knock I could really have against this movie is that there's there's that whole scene where they're drink Scooby and Shaggy are drinking the potions and they're turning into different versions of themselves. Um, and like them, them turning into women is kind of played for comedy, but it's also like there for five seconds. So not the worst thing in the world. Um, also, if I were ever to dress up for Halloween again, which is, which is, I don't knock people my age doing it. It's just not for me. But if I were ever to do it again, I would dress as the main bad guy from this movie because that costume is fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, this is a female reporter. I mean, the costume that she, the, that's that's the first one um and I, I mean like the 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 chrome head guy in a like suit that she is wearing but yes i um i will say that man unfortunately really they did scoob the movie which mm. is good if you like hannah barbara or barbara or whatever if you like anything from that get ready for all of that in this and scoob um, but they got Fred Armisen doing the voice. I think it's Fred Armisen. Yeah, it's Fred Armisen. That's a doing, pick. Doing the voice. And it's like, I could kind of get it, but bro, it is not Shaggy. Like, Matthew Lillard Can was Lillard come Shaggy. back to be Shaggy for some of the directed dvd movies that just came out? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, is he's been Shaggy in everything after this except Scoob. Like, they, they, I think they recast everybody but Scooby in that movie, because fucking... Like, which is kind of funny about the live action movies. They didn't get this, but like the only person who can really play Scooby is Frank Welker. Frank Welker will be playing Scooby from beyond the grave. I guarantee it. They probably have like several things pre-recorded for him. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the uh, space coop design. Scooby-Doo 2 monster. I haven't seen this in forever. Yeah. But I've seen like everything Scooby-Doo a ridiculous amount of time. And bro, they nailed the space scoop. That's my favorite Scooby Doo. It's like my favorite original uh, series episode. Too. I fucking love the space. Scoop. Jesus Christ! Yo, some of the classic Scooby designs are just fantastic. Yeah. Um. There's a whole YouTube video about it. In fact. Yeah, it's one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. Um. But 
Yeah, no, the monster designs in that are great. I, I love the whole dichotomy of, like, the suits in that opening scene at the museum all look terrible, but then they get revived into CGI slash practical effects creatures, and they look so badass. Like, legitimately, the zombie is mostly played for laughs, but it's, like, one of the best practical suits I've seen in a while. Um and though uh, Matthew Lillard was Shaggy in Return to Zombie Island in 2019, uh, Shaggy in Return to Zombie Island, yeah. they did, and it's terrible. Uh, Shaggy Rogers in Teen Titans Go 2019, Shaggy in Robot Chicken, uh, Shaggy in a Happy Halloween Scooby Doo, and Shaggy in Scooby Doo and Guess Who. But yeah, no, Matthew Lillard is is great. Oh, like we could we could just do a whole podcast about what a wonderful human being Matthew Lillard is because he embraced the fucking Shaggy being an overpowered meme. And there's that there's that delightful video of him comforting a scared little girl at a con. He was also in Hackers. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I think that's all the Scooby Doo talk we can have for one podcast. So. uh Chris, what you, what you got going on this week? Well, we're still going to talk about cartoons because, goddamn, my childhood fucking came back for one single episode. Oh? Darkwing Duck. Oh! 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 oh. oh I already know. Wait, hold on. First. Was he on, did they make him canon on DuckTales? Question, Chris. canon on DuckTales, but we'll get to that. Has the new episodes come out? Because I haven't seen it yet. They're combined into one video uploaded on Disney XD's channel. The whole special is. Is that what you're going to talk about? Yeah. I can be vague. I can be vague. Oh, my God. I already know a little bit. I really don't want to know anymore. Fuck, dude. Oh, my God. Oh. I sent you that video uh, like last week or something like that because I, I knew you'd be excited and I was excited. Are you Super current? Vague. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not current on DuckTales. But I, I, I basically... You're not current on DuckTales and you fucking watch that? Dude. I only you want to know the things I've watched on DuckTales? The first appearance of Darkwing Duck as a TV show, the episode where they made Darkwing Duck canon with the whole thing with Negaduck, and this. I have only watched the things involving Darkwing Duck. Bro, and I've, so, Chris, I've seen please. I've been on DuckTales and you fucking watch that? Dude, I only you want to know the things I've watched on DuckTales? The first appearance of Darkwing Duck as a TV show, the episode where they made Darkwing Duck canon with the whole thing with Negaduck, and this. I have only watched the things involving Darkwing Duck. Bro, and I've, so, Chris, I've seen, please. I've seen please, Chris. I'll give you my Disney Plus login, dude. So watch Calm the fuck down. Let him talk. <laughs> so a, because first and foremost, I'm a Darkwing Duck guy. That's who I am. It's just part of me. Okay. So real quick, uh, DuckTales is great. I liked what I've seen. I've seen the first episode of DuckTales. So, Same. Um, They've basically been hinting at basically everything in the Disney afternoon canon is being canon. Um, and basically the way they did Darkwing Duck is in the show, there is a show called Darkwing Duck that Launchpad is a big fan of. Eventually, they do a big movie reboot and recast the uh, Darkwing Duck as a new actor called Drake Mallard. Um, and they do a whole big thing with the classic voice of Darkwing Duck reprising, uh, being the old actor and him going crazy, and it's great. And this is basically a couple bi a bit later, and the new Darkwing Duck, Drake Mallard, is in St. Canard trying to solve crime. Aww. And then 
DuckTale adventure happens, and he has to step up and be a hero, and it's great. Okay. I mean, I know Goslin's very... in it. Sorry. Goslin is in it. Uh, Taurus Bulba. Fucking, in the, tr- in, the, in the previews for it, they've shown Quacker Jack, the Liquidator, mm-hmm. Bushroot. <laughs> oh, my God. Megavolt. I didn't even know. Oh. oh, dude. And here's the thing. Other than Bushroot, they did a really cool thing with Bushroot. They're exactly as you remember them. Because I think the thing with Bushroot is, I, I'm not sure if, what happened to the actor. I have a feeling it was something with the actor. Um, because in the whole thing, he was, he was like a silent monster. Um, and you're going like, okay, that's not Bushroot because Bushroot's a neurotic, uh, neurotic nutcase, you know? And my first thought was, oh no, did the actor die? And they didn't want to recast him for uh, the special. Are you saying this slowly because you're trying to find out what happened as you're speaking? Yes. He, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he died. Mm. Well, R.I.P. He died in 2017. He was the voice of Bushroot. Man, dude, the level of respect that show plays to uh, Disney Saturday mornings is ungodly. You're doing a disservice to yourself if you do not watch the rest of the before midnight of next day. Oh, yeah, no. It's because, hold on, let's see if I can find it. Nope, there's no screenshots yet. But, like, in the classic fucking um, Darkwing show, Bushroot is Bushroot's basically like Poison Ivy kind of thing but in this he's like fucking creepy as hell okay here's here's just the clip of bush root going up against the triplets and it's great um but no it, it is a darkwing duck episode that's what it is it's darkwing duck i want them to just make darkwing duck now that's all they need to do i just more need more daring duck of mystery now see i think i love darkwing duck as much as you do you might have me beat just a little bit but i do love it more um, but being someone who watched like DuckTales, like start finish in canonical order, continuously surprised, I lo- I was like, oh my god, I hope, oh my god, I hope they do something, oh my god, and then like they did it, and I was upset, and then the way they finished it, it negated it. Like you could ask Delta, like my response to this, I was like so surprised, I was like, I can't be mad. What the fuck? Like, and now the thing I'm left wanting, um. Because, like, my secret love in, like, old school Disney stuff is the fucking Mighty Ducks cartoon. And I want that so bad in this year. I mean, they did show the Mighty Duck hockey mask once. I know. Such such disparate, like, Disney Saturday morning interest amongst this group. Because my exposure to Disney Saturday morning is fucking reruns of Goof Troop and the Buzz Lightyear show on Toon Disney when I was pretty young. Here's the thing. They don't Goof Troop. That's cool. Goof Troop is part of DuckTales. Like, it doesn't make me come in my pants like you guys are about Darkwing Duck right now, but that's... No. I'm happy. Legit. Okay. So here's the thing. I, like, you have know, I lived in Germany first three to four years of my life because father was military, we were on military, like, that whole thing. So... In the U.S. military base, there was a video rental shop, you know, that kind of thing. I was the only kid who borrowed the Darkwing Duck VHSs. I was the only one. And when we moved, the cashier went, have them. So my Darkwing Duck VHS tapes were because I was the only fucker renting them out week in, week out. Hmm. 
Darkwing Duck is integral to like my love of superheroes, like everything. And I know the episodes they were. It was the episode where uh, Goslin and her friend get trapped in all the art in the museum, and the episode where Darkwing Duck uh, gets separated into good and evil halves. Not Negaduck, it's just good and evil halves, and they fight. You know, like Darkwing Duck is genuinely one of my favorite things in the world, and it's such... It, it, I don't know how to... Like, there is no me without Darkwing Duck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and just to see it, it, the respect it gets, because it's not just like, oh, here's some funny side character gag stuff and that we can throw in the background. No, it's like, no. This is there's a reason Duck uh, Darkwing Duck is so important to people and they fucking respect it. I know. And like they tie it into other stuff involving DuckTales. So now the current version of DuckTales is integrally like interconnected with the lore of Darkwing Duck. Because I haven't been keeping up completely with DuckTales, but I do know like like the ongoing storyline is like fouls being a thing. Foul comes from Darkwing Duck. Foul is the evil organization in Darkwing Duck. Bro, please, with me, because I want to see your reaction. I want to watch Dark Duck Tales, Dark Tales, uh, Duck Tales with you. Start to new Duck Tales. Let's figure out a way to do it. Because I mean, I would happily join you boys in that adventure. Because ever since I watched the pilot right after it came out, I was like, "Oh, this is cool. I should keep up with this." And then I didn't, and I was like, well, I'll finish it at some... I'll go back to it and watch it all at some point, probably when it's over. Like, I know they've done other Disney AM fucking references. I know they've done Rescue Rangers. Oh, they did, um... What was the fucking, like, cat who was a cop? Yeah, they did Gummy Bears. What was the fucking cat who was a goddamn cop? Not, a fucking Bonkers. No, Bonkers is in this uh, special. What?! Bonkers is in this. Uh, what, bro? No. Speaking, of, it's it, it's a it's a cameo joke. But Bonkers is in this. Oh my god. Bonkers is in Ducktales, a cop from Saint Canard. Oh. Also, like, uh, I was watching um, the the uh, uh, Black Nerd. He's a YouTuber, and he was talking about the video, and he said like, oh yeah, there's this one segment where they're showing a bunch of things, and one of them is like three multicolored dogs and he was like oh i remember that from something but i don't know what apparently it was a goddamn pilot special that disney made in the 80s that never got a tv show that they decided fuck it let's reference it this is a love letter to disney television the only way it can get better is mighty ducks and gargoyles i don't think you saying buzz Lightyear star command is not good enough to be on this see disney Here's the thing. I don't know if Gargoyles fits in this universe because Gargoyles was humans and monsters. And I wouldn't mind just a reference. Like you see yeah, a skyscraper and on top is Goliath. That's I fine. mean, does does dimension hopping exist in this show? Um I know it kind of does. Let's just say it's answered in the special. Yeah, I mean that they tease it in like some of the t- um bro, tailspin. Tailspin is probably um, as much as I love Darkwing Duck, I probably have more of a connection to Tailspin because I used to watch that religiously every morning. Um, like we had like some sort of, I think that was because my mom, I don't know, my mom used to work for the cable cord shit. Um, but you mean other than the fact that the pirate from Tailspin is in DuckTales? Yeah. 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 No, like he's there. 
fucking and oh my god, he's voiced. They they brought him back too, dude. The guy, like, oh my god, I don't want to like turn this into like Ducktales Part Two. I think every segment we've had in this specific podcast has been longer than except for like. Yeah, I was about to say we're uh, we're coming up on the two hour mark here, boys. I mean, it probably isn't that for people listening to this back because I've been trying to negate the length of podcasts by finally doing what Chris has been telling me to do for years and truncating silence. But because like at a Comic Con, they showed this and this is the uh, the young sidekick and the little girl from Tailspin, their DuckTales redesign. Oh, oh. He looks like fucking Baloo. I mean, yeah, he always was. A, he kind of is. That was yeah. the weird thing. He, I like uh, because Tailspin is set in the Jungle Book uh, stuff. The King Louie is in Tailspin. Yeah, I mean it's Baloo, Tailspin, Shere Dude, Khan's in it. Uh, fucking Ducktales, modern Ducktales did the Three Caballeros. Fucking Three Caballeros, right? Shit, fuck, I forgot about them. Those are that's like one of my weird favorite like Donald Duck lore things. It's just also, the fact that. There's an episode where Don Cheadle voices. Don. Yeah, there's like this is because this is a love letter to Disney AM, but it's also a love letter to just Ducktales and all that kind of stuff, and a love letter to the Disney comics because a lot they're pulling a lot of stuff from that as well. Fucking Gizmo Duck, so much. It's just so good. Bro, I'm I'm immediately immediately leaving this podcast. And it better be up. It's not. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's go ahead and wrap up so you can do that, Cody. Who are you, and where can people find your shit if you want them to? I am Snowcone83, otherwise known as Never Robot. You search one of those things, and you might find me. If you don't, you're not smart enough to find I'm just kidding. No, um, <laughs> no you should have just gone with that. You should have just been a heel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do all kinds of stuff. Um, if you want to kiss me, ask me first. Yeah, consent is important. Uh, speaking of consenting to things, uh, Boingo, where can people find your shit if you want them to? Howdy, howdy. My name is Boingo Writer. Um, I make video essays and video editorials on my YouTube channel known as Boingo Writer. A link to that is in the description. You can follow me on Twitter and the Instagram at Boingo underscore Writer. A link to those are in the description. And if you want, you can jump, come join my Discord server. A link to that is in the description. And uh, I am regularly streaming on Twitch every Saturday night, and I think right now every Tuesday. Ooh. I've done it once, and this is me putting it into paper and going, like, I'm going to try and stream Tuesday nights. So around, like, 10 to 11 start time, go for an hour, two hours, that kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, come join me there at Boingo Rider. Okay. Well... I am your modular king of the content ring. I call myself the Vacuuminator, and I call myself the modular king of the content ring because I have been making videos on YouTube for over seven years now, and I've done a little bit of every genre in that time span. I can't say any of it is actually good, but it's shit I made, and I haven't deleted it yet, so I'm proud of it in one way or another. You can find it all at youtube.com slash thevacuuminator. And uh, if you want to keep up with me and what I'm doing, go on Twitter and Instagram, at thevacuuminator. It's spelled V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. And you can find me. And I do that stuff sometimes, except I'm not tweeting that much right now. Uh, mainly because I'm trying to use my Twitter to uh, build some storyline stuff. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe go there if you're interested in that. 
But uh, you want to keep up with Modular Media and what we're doing, of course, you can always subscribe to this channel to get the next episode of Analytical Fanboys when it comes out. Don't forget to ring the bell in order to enable notifications. Follow us on Twitter at The Modular Media for regular updates on things that will be happening with the podcast and the podcast coming out. And join our subreddit, r slash Modular Media, for the same reasons. But that is all for this episode. We will see you in two weeks when we will be discussing She Could fly.